0: Everyone, this is Brother Jason and you are listening to the Apostolic Bible Study Time podcast. Coming to you from the Gaffney Bible Fellowship in Gaffney, South Carolina. If you'd like to email us for any reason, our email address is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Apostolic Bible Study Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash apostolic Bible study time. Well, we've been in the book of Hebrews since we began here, and we are in chapter 9 today. Unlike previous chapters, well, since back toward the beginning, we're not going to get all the way through this chapter today. It jumps into a subject much too deep when we get to the second half of the chapter so we are going to read down to I believe it's verse 18 and then that will be it for this episode but well let's go ahead and get started here Hebrews chapter 9 verse 1 then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary verse 2 for there was a tabernacle made the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary after the second veil the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all okay that was verse 3 the world of flame study Bible note on this was the earthly tabernacle was divided into two compartments It was actually two tents joined together by strategically placed clasps. I like the way they worded it. I mean, it's very evident the way they worded it. You know what they're speaking of, but that was the the note I wanted to read. So now we're back to Brother Jason on this. So all the priests were Levites, but not all the Levites were priests. The only... Priests were the descendants of Aaron, and they were consecrated as the priests of the sanctuary and later on as uh, priests of the temple after Solomon had built the temple there. But we had an entire tribe that were Levites. Now the Levites, they had their different jobs and you look in there, you can see the five-fold ministry working clear back in there. During the time when they were wandering in the wilderness, you had the different families of Levites had different jobs assigned to them, such as carrying the, the different... Uh, parts of the tabernacle and the the walls and the brazen altar and all this different stuff, each family had its own set of uh, responsibilities to take care of as they were traveling through the wilderness. But when everything was set up, only the sons of Aaron were consecrated as priests to be able to make the sacrifices, and to be able to go in as high priest once a year to go into the Holy of Holies. So, on a side note here, we're going to pick up in Genesis, the 49th chapter, verses 5 through 7 to begin with. Now this is a prophecy set forth by Jacob over his sons, and this is dealing with Simeon and Levi. Simeon and Levi are brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitations. O my soul, come not thou into their secret, unto their assembly, mine honor, be not thou united. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self will they dig down a wall. Cursed be their anger. For it was fierce in their wrath, for it was cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. So at the allotment of property, Simeon and Levi, before anything was ever spoken to the priesthood and Levi, before anything was spoken about that, they were all ready to be divided because Jacob did not want them together to begin with. I... Uh, Originally, when they were dividing the land, Simeon was inside of the tribe of Judah. kind of, If I'm remembering right, kind of south-central Judah. Uh, there was a circular area in there that belonged to Simeon. And then after some centuries had moved on, they moved up to the uh, northwest, if I'm remembering correctly. I don't have the map in front of me, so I'm going by memory here. But, but Levi received absolutely no lot of land for a tribe to say this belongs to the tribe of Levi. Uh, Numbers 35, we're going to pick up in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan near Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they give unto the Levites of the inheritance of their possession, cities to dwell in. And ye shall give also unto the Levites suburbs for the cities round about them. And the cities shall they have to dwell in, and the suburbs of them uh, shall be for their cattle, and for their goods, and for all their beasts. And the suburbs of the cities... Which ye shall give unto the Levites shall reach from the wall of the city and outward to a thousand cubits round about. And ye shall measure from without the city on the east side two thousand cubits, and on the south side two thousand cubits, and on the west side two thousand cubits, and on the north side two thousand cubits. And the city shall be in the midst, and this shall be to them the suburbs of the cities." And among the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities for refuge, which ye shall appoint for the manslayer, that he may flee thither, and to them ye shall add forty and two cities. So all the cities which ye shall give to the Levites shall be forty and eight cities. Them shall ye give with their suburbs, and the cities which ye shall give shall be of the possession of the children of Israel." For from them that have many, ye shall give many. But from them that have few, ye shall give few. And everyone shall give of his cities unto the Levites, according to his inheritance, which he inheriteth. So just like the, the prophecy of Jacob, Jacob said it kind of in an angry way, but God actually blessed the tribe of Levi. He told them on a few different occasions He said, I am your inheritance. The Lord God was the inheritance of the Levitical priesthood and of the tribe of Levi. But to scatter them abroad following Jacob's prophecy, they had cities in each one of the 12 tribes. So they were scattered just like what was prophesied by Jacob. They they were scattered out through the, the tribes And Simeon and Levi's inheritance was not together. Because Simeon inherited the the land, Levi inherited the God. I I think they had the better of it personally. Verse 4 now, "...which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant." and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God, but into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Ghost is signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. So we're going to go over to Leviticus now, and we're going to pick up in the 16th chapter, and we're going to start at verse 11 and read down through 17. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, and the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat, that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bullock And sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions and all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their cleanness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make an atonement in the holy place, until he come out, and have made an atonement for himself, and for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. Now we're going to go over to 1 Timothy real quick, and we're going to pick up in the third chapter, and I'll tell you what I'm thinking here in just a second. Pick up the first verse. This is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop, then, must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil." Now the reason why we were reading that, when we go back and we read the first thing Aaron does is make sure he is right with God before he can do anything for the children of Israel that are outside those doors. And the responsibility upon Aaron's shoulders was more costly than the responsibility to the, the, the Joe Schmo out there in the crowd you notice that the sacrifice for the priest was a bullock, just a bull. It it was a cow, which is of greater worth than the goat that was slain for the people that were outside. Now what did Jesus say? Jesus said that to whom much is given, much is required. That was the same thing that was upon Aaron's shoulders when he goes in. He had to sacrifice that bullock and take that blood in before the mercy seat to get himself right with God before he could do anything for the people that were outside. Something else I would like to point out, Let's go back and pick up uh, verse 16, and he shall make an atonement for the holy place. Now when we speak of Yom Kippur, we, we think of the day of atonement and it's the atonement for the people, but it was not just for the people when it was first held, it was actually for the uncleanness to be purified of the temple. And he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of the transgressions in all their sins. And so shall he do for the tabernacle of congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So he had to make that sacrifice and he had to make that cleansing for himself then also the goat for the people but this was also to cleanse the tabernacle because the tabernacle tabernacle dwelled in the uncleanness of the children of Israel the whole business was to come make your sacrifices to God but most of those sacrifices would have been a sin offering making sure that they were right with God so this was cleansing their uncleanness from the tabernacle now back down to Hebrews nine verse eight, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was standing. Okay, now entering into the holiest of all, we know in so over in Matthew the twenty seventh chapter verses fifty and fifty one, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was our sacrifice for the Passover. He was our sacrifice for the Day of Atonement. He took care of our sins. Now, instead of having a priesthood in between us and God, that veil was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And it's very important that the author mentions that it was ripped from the top to the bottom. It was not man's doing. Man could have grabbed it from the bottom to the top and they could have ripped or they could have cut, but you couldn't do that from the top of the veil. It was rent in twain from the top to the bottom signifying that God was opening the way in for a relationship that mankind could have with Him. It was years before the apostles understood the significance that it was not just for the Jews to have a relationship, but when he opened it up, he opened it up that we could come in also. We that had no say, we had no tribe. We were just Gentiles. But now we are the seed of Abraham through faith in Christ Jesus and the work that he had performed for us. Now we can approach God. We don't have to go through a priest. We go straight to God by ourselves. And we can go straight to God for ourselves. Now verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present in which we we're, were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience, which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. Now let's go down. We're going to go over to the book of Numbers now. But we see what Jesus is accomplishing for mankind at this point. And we read down and we see how, I mean, His blood, the blood of bulls and goats, yes, it it might have bought you that year, but your conscience was never purged. But Christ came and performing one sacrifice for all times. That's the reason why we've gone over this multiple times just in Hebrews alone, but that's the reason why it says that He sat down on the right hand of God because His works were finished. He sat down. The Levitical priesthood in the tabernacle and later on in the temple, you don't read about a seat in there because they were always standing. There was always another sacrifice to make. But Jesus made that sacrifice one time and his works were finished. But verse... uh, where are we going here? Verse 13 again. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. Okay, now this is the red heifer. Um, if you read much, if you look and see on the news maybe, or if you have an interest in Israel, you know for years they have been trying to breed a red heifer that they would be able to sacrifice, and to be able to make uh, the, the, the sacrifice that needed to be done to take the ashes, and the ashes were used for various things, and over the years I have heard different things, that they knew where the ashes were from the last red heifer that would have been sacrificed thousands of years ago, that they knew where those ashes were. You hear all kinds of things, and honestly, you don't really know what is true or what they're really up to over there. I've heard just recently that in the city of Jericho, the priest had begun practicing making the live sacrifices again, that they are getting ready to begin sacrificing on the temple mound again. But as I said, you hear all kinds of things. If they do begin that sacrifice again soon, It is very significant because in Daniel's 70 weeks, when Daniel has this prophecy and the angel Gabriel, I believe this time, tells him what it means, but part of the prophecy is that he will cause, speaking of the little horn, he will cause the sacrifice to cease. Well, since A.D. 70, there has been no sacrifice. So that prophecy would not be able to be fulfilled because there was no prophecy. But yet now, if they begin making these sacrifices again, there's so many views on this, and I don't care to get into eschatology right now, but there are so many views on this, but regardless, you see the significance, I'm sure, that now there will be a sacrifice that the man of sin could cause to cease. But we're not in Daniel, we're in Hebrews, and I'm sorry for getting sidetracked. Numbers, the 19th chapter, we're going to pick up in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish." and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eleazar the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp, and one shall slay her before his face. And Eleazar the priest shall take of the blood with his finger, and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times, and one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh, and her blood with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast into the midst of the burning of the heifer. And the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until the even. And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and he shall be unclean until the even. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place and it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification for sin And he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes, and shall be unclean until the even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them, for a statute forever. Now that is the red heifer that you're often hearing about in different prophecies, and the the priests are worrying about how they can get a hold of the ashes. But that's actually been coming into the news for Oh, I know at least the last 15 years or so, it, it's something that it, people that watch Israel have been watching and listening, and they, they've been trying to get this red heifer again for some time. Okay, back to Hebrews 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Okay, and for what cause? The fact that he offered himself and purged our conscience from dead works. He sealed the old covenant. He fulfilled the old covenant. He made a way for us to be able to be with Him. Uh, over in the book of Revelation, one of my favorite scriptures, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He can once again have his relationship with mankind as he wanted back in Genesis in the third chapter. I love reading about that. I, I can't imagine the honor that Adam and Eve had bestowed on them, that the Lord came down in the cool of the day to walk in the garden with them, just to have a time of fellowship with His creation. You remember they were created in the image of God. But I think about these things and it would have been such a wonderful thing, but sin entered in. Verse 16 For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. And I'm kind of laughing when I say this. Uh, Let's go back and read it one more time. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. I get a lot of my notes out of the World of Flame Study Bible. You know what? They didn't offer any commentary on verse 16. And it really made me wonder. I I couldn't understand because it seems like to be such a big deal when you read this and it appears to be legal terms, the death of the testator. And so we look at it in terms of a will, how we had the will, but you had to have the death of the testator first. And then we can have the reading of the will and then the the inheritance, but we enter into a new covenant with God. But... (laughs) It seems like the this is one of those scriptures that w- w- with the people with the, the IQs higher than mine, they argue about it. I, I never realized that before. I never... I, I have realized its significance, but I didn't realize the arguments that go on over this one scripture. So I... Promise you, uh, we, we have a pretty good listenership, I promise you that someone's going to get mad at me for this, but I want to put my take on it, since there's no commentary from the World of Flame Study Bible, and it's odd for them to be silent, usually they have something to say, but since they have nothing to say, I want to read this. Now, I want to put this out here as a as a disclaimer to begin with, that I'm not your pastor, Okay, I am giving you Scripture, but I am not your pastor. I hope I'm your brother, but I am not your pastor. So if you don't like what I have to say, well, that's fine. Uh, Well, you you can find me, you can argue, you can email me, you, you can do whatever, but I'm not your pastor. But this is the way I see this. Let's go over to the book of Mark in the 10th chapter. And you'll see why I'm putting the disclaimer out there and saying that some may get mad at me. Mark the 10th chapter, the second verse. And the Pharisees came to him and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, tempting him? And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Hold on, hang on with me here for a minute. You'll see what I'm getting at. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote to you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation of God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now we're going over to Jeremiah because I'm just going to use Scripture. Jeremiah, the third chapter, the 14th verse. The Lord speaking, he says, Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, And I will take you, one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So the Lord is declaring that he is married to the children of Israel. Well, we just read what Jesus said. Jesus said that there's no separation can be made there. Moses, for the hardness of their hearts, he gave them that commandment, but it never was so. So Isaiah, the 50th chapter, the first verse, Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I have put away? Or which of my creditors is to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities ye have sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Okay, we can have the divorce here. But having the divorce, he was not able to take another bride under his own law that he gave to the children of Israel. Now obviously, I mean, you can't kill God. Uh, Jesus told the woman at the well in Samaria there, he said God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But God is not able to break his own law. So 1 Timothy, 3rd chapter, 16th verse. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So that flesh that God had tabernacled in, in Jesus Christ, died. Under the law, when the groom would die, then the bride is free to marry whomever she wants. Also, if the bride dies, then the man is free to marry pretty much whoever he wants. It depends. Under the Levitical priesthood, I mean, there were stipulations put out there. But anyways, the only freedom from marriage was death. God is telling Israel I am married unto you and now he's telling them that he came and he was crucified and then he was resurrected again. Well, what are we called in the book of Revelation? We are called the bride of Christ. We are Abraham's seed. We are the bride of Christ. Uh, The book of Ephesians, the second chapter, Paul talks about how he came and he broke down that middle wall of partition which was between us. And I know that's unpopular. Uh, It's a shame. It really is. But divorce has even entered into the church. And the divorce rate in the church is about as high as what it is out in the world anymore. But that was never in the mind of God to allow you to be able to put away your wife or allow you to be able to put away your husband. But Moses, for the hardness of the hearts of the children of Israel, suffered them to put away their husband, or i put away their wife. The woman didn't really have too many rights. But we're never going to understand on this side of eternity everything Jesus did on that cross we can walk joyfully with Him. We can meet Him in the air when He comes. We, we can be with Jesus. I believe there's a, a thousand year millennial kingdom that is coming upon the face of this earth. And I, I hope I'm there with Him. But I, I want to make it. I, I want to be there. But when I, I say this, I want to make sure I am walking right. And if I can help you, then I want to make sure you're walking right also. I don't want to miss it. Someone said before that it was still uh, allowable to have that divorce because of the hardness of their hearts, but it was still there. So my my question to that individual would be, so you are professing to me you have a hard, hard heart. Just something to think about. Something to think about. And again, I am not your pastor, but that is the way it is preached here, and that is the way it's believed. And if we really took an in depth study on this subject, it would take some time because there's a a lot of scripture on it, and we might do that. We, We might do that. Okay, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 18. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. And whoever the author of Hebrews gets kind of deep here, and we are going to stop for today, for this episode. We are going to stop so we don't go too long. But when we come back, we will be picking up in verse 19 of the book of Hebrews. Again, tell me what you think. The email address is apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. That's apostolicbiblestudytime at gmail.com. Our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. That's facebook.com forward slash apostolicbiblestudytime. Well, we'll see you next episode. And until then, this is Brother Jason reminding you that Jesus is not in the Godhead. For in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Colossians 2 and 9. Lord willing, we'll see you next time. Goodbye and God bless. perfection, our righteousness and power, if all we need a Jesus.